everybody welcome to episode number 18 of fear being average podcast health fitness and performance series In today's episode we take a look at six well-being hacks that will dramatically improve your life so these hacks are something you guys can do and engage in that have a much bigger influence and effect than you might think so they're just small little changes that have a massive impact. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to hack the system, hack our day-to-day life, hack our schedule to really make sure we optimize our health, our fitness, and our performance. So we look at six different well-being hacks, starting from the benefits of walking and how we can get more movement within the day. Uh, Then we dive into what we can do nutritionally through a form of a hack um, for number two and three. Then we look at the psychological aspect of what we consume and how this can have a major effect on how we think, how we perform, the level of drive we have, and ambition we attack the day with. Then we look at how we can schedule social media. Social media is a part of life. It gives us an opportunity to connect and build relationships and businesses. But at the same time, we want to make sure we use it as a benefit, not as a detriment to our health and well-being. And then we look at the overall structure of how we can put together a day from a well-being hack standpoint. So great episode to really put it all together for you guys. And as I mentioned in the podcast, this is not about you guys doing all six of these tomorrow. It's about you guys engaging in one or two that have a really strong calling to you. Maybe it's something you're struggling with right now and it would have the biggest impact and benefit on your day-to-day life. So when that happens, build the habit around it and slowly but surely try to introduce another one. But like I said, even starting with one of these is gonna have a major impact on your life. Enjoy today's episode. Like always, please be sure to subscribe, share the podcast, like it, give it a rating, and do what you can to help this podcast grow. Enjoy today's episode. going on everybody so this is a, a fun topic to go over um, obviously we talk a lot about health and fitness and also you know performance and performance can be from the physical nature um, mental emotional uh, basically overall well-being and this is a perfect kind of podcast that will really help assist in your well-being by just manipulating a few things in your life right nothing crazy um, nothing necessarily groundbreaking in terms of like new research um, or something that you probably never heard about before, uh, but perhaps it's something that has you know you've lost connection with, right? and that you no longer you know hear too often. And it's one of those things that you kind of just bypass and never tried before, uh, but they really do have a major influence and effect on how you go about your life, the, the outlook you have in life, the amount of fulfillment, and engagement, and productivity, and ambition you live your life with. Um, and at the end of the day, happiness is a daily process. Happiness is not given. Um, It is an earned process in terms of its daily choices and daily habits and the things that we do to actively improve our life, right? And that's what happiness is. is It's the pursuit of, you know, fulfillment. It's the pursuit of purposes and passions. And these six hacks that we're going to go over today um, can be major in terms of changing your life routine around um, getting you outside of plateaus you may have hit, um, getting you out of ruts, um, and just doing these small things, uh, you'll notice over time 
will greatly improve your overall you know well-being and, and your your state of being so let's get into it all right we don't need to do too much uh, lead up to this one um, it's pretty simple and again just something to remember with the six hacks that we're going to go over you don't need to jump in and take all six of these and implement them into your life tomorrow ideally this is a slow process this is a learned skill and like any skill it takes time it takes practice it takes dedication and consistency and you're not you're just going to get good at these tomorrow so maybe one of these or two of these are really going to resonate with you and maybe they're your biggest problem issues. Um, perhaps uh, they're the things that you really want to work on, or that you see is the, like the lowest hanging fruit, so the simplest, easiest thing to adopt. Um, and that's a great strategy to, you know, improve your life. Right? Is by grabbing one or two things, building a habit around it, um, making it part of your subconscious, making it part of your habitual routine, and then jumping into other things. Like, don't get overwhelmed by saying, well, I'm not doing any of these six, I need to do all of them tomorrow. Each one has a positive impact. If you're able to eventually get all six of these into your life, then you're gonna do really, really well, um, of course. But start off by just managing one or two, giving yourself time to adapt to the new habit, and, and you'll just see how much your life improves by simply engaging in one of these on a consistent manner. Okay, guys? So number one, this one I really love because uh, it's about movement. So it's doing your conference calls or your social calls on a walk. So walk during your calls as much as you can. I know it may not be the most practical thing all the time because sometimes you know, you're on Zoom calls and you need to see everybody and you need to be in a more professional environment and you need to be a little bit more engaged um, and you know focus to your screen. But if the call allows get outside walk move your body um you know ideally that walk looks like something um where you're outside you're in nature you're going around the block uh whatever's obviously accessible for you i'm not you know saying you need to drive to a nearby park or you know conservation area or forest to go for a walk but if it's next to you like I, i'm um lucky enough to have a trail right next to my building here so now I've kind of scheduled calls where I'll go out for a half hour to 45 minute walk while I'm on a call. Uh, you know, I got my headphones in, so it's noise canceling. I have my phone and it's really easy, right? It's be the exact same connection as if I were on my computer at home, but now I'm actually getting some movement, right? So that's an easy one, right? And even if you got to walk, get up in your house and walk around, um, that can be getting on your treadmill and obviously moving your body on a call you know you have those standing desks that you're up on your feet which are great but we're looking for movement especially because we know movement is medicine for the soul um movement is momentum it'll it you know garners a lot of blood flow and circulation and positive co um, compounding habits from movement um typically when you're feeling down you're feeling tired you're feeling drained maybe exhausted a little lethargic movement is a phenomenal tool and the reason I really advocate moving outside or moving um, you know, within nature so much is that there's so many things attached to being outside and attached to nature that will uh, you know, assist and make the movement period even more 
beneficial, right? Um, things like the sun. We all know how important vitamin D is, not only on our immune system and our health, but also from a mood standpoint, right? And from an energy standpoint and a neurotransmitter standpoint. Outside, obviously, supplies us with fresh air, which is extremely beneficial uh, for the body. You know, that, that fresh air is something that we absolutely need. We need a lot more of. Um, circulation, you know, being outside, there's just a, you know, a higher sense of, of, of blood flow and circulation going throughout the body because obviously there's a little bit more room and space for you to go around. Um, and, and moving outside, it will increase your mood, um, and which is a huge one, right? That's not to be understated. Having a positive outlook and a positive mood, you know, and switching your state up by simply being outside. And it's one of those things that you don't necessarily, you know, feel happen. It's not like you, you feel your mood all of a sudden change. Um, after, you know, once you get sunlight on you or fresh air on you or you're around nature and you're around, you know, grass and trees and greenery, um, but it just happens. Like your body adapts to it and all of a sudden, you know, your circadian rhythm is, you know, back on, back on point and, you know, you feel great. And it's one of those things that happens kind of quickly, uh, but it kind of happens under the radar. So it's one of those things that's very consistent to, to help improve mood, improve your emotional state, improve your, you know, you know, your mental state. And again, it kills two birds with one stone. You know, obviously getting, you know, close to your 10,000 steps in each day is extremely important. The research is out there. You know, there's a lot of data now supporting lack of movement, almost as bad as smoking, you know, cigarettes, right? And regardless of, you know, how true that is to a certain degree, the comparisons are there. So obviously it's a big time issue, right? Um, I've had debates with people about, well, it's not as bad as smoking, but I get what they're trying to do. I get what they're trying to say. Obviously from a longevity standpoint, the research and data would support that it reduces or increases your overall potential of mortality. So it's a big, big hindrance on your overall well-being. And not only does it shorten your lifespan, lack of movement and, you know, lack of sunlight and lack of fresh air and circulation to your body, but it increases how you're living your current life, which I think is understated. A lot of people, they go, I don't care if I die at 80 or 90 or whatever the age may be uh, from a lack of movement or smoking or drinking or abusing your body. But what about the now? What about taking care of your body and having a better life today and a better life tomorrow? It's not just about dying earlier. It's about quality of life. It's about living uh, pain-free, living with easy movement, uh, living with improved mobility and strength. And that's what movement promotes that's what movement does to the body right that's why movement is medicine like that's not just a, a catchy saying it really is something that will keep you not only living longer but living healthier so use this little hack when you're on a call and you could easily be sitting down um, right now for example me podcasting you know there's some times where i sit because it's just you know more appropriate i was just on my feet but there's definitely an opportunity um, and I usually, you know, sit and I'm in a room based around keeping, you know, the sound fairly good for the podcast and not being outside and you guys hearing, you know, different people and, and nature and all that stuff. But if there's an opportunity with something <clears throat> that you're doing to be outside, to be moving, moving, sorry, take advantage of it, right? Um, don't rationalize it. 
it is going to be one of the best things you can do for yourself. Uh, you'll feel like you're maximizing your time, and you're optimizing your time, and then you're getting one of those things that's on your mind anyways, like I need to move, I need to be outside. There's two birds right there, and you have the conference call. Um, not only do those three things all get done in the same time period, but that will promote. There's a compound effect to movement and being outside and being in nature, um, which will lead to healthier decisions. It will lead to a more creative mindset. It will lead to more ambition and you know a happier perspective. And those things only promote better decisions. So an easy hack when you're on a call, um, and even if it's not a conference call, like I said, it can be a social call. Those are easy no-brainers, right? If you're talking to a friend, you're talking to you know a niece or nephew, talking to a parent, get up, you know, walk around. Like I said, it doesn't always have to be you outside. That, that's ideal, but you can also just get up off your butt in the house, walk up and down the stairs, move around, you know, do things like that that are, that are really simple. And, and again, it gets your body moving and creates circulation and it will alleviate some of the tightnesses and the pains that people um, live with. And again, try to, it will actually prevent potential, you know, lock up and shortening of the hips. So especially when we're sitting down all day long, guys, really important we do this. And this is an easy little hack. And like I said, it kills, you know, two to three birds with one stone on that one. All right, guys, number two, eat a healthy nutrient dense breakfast. So yeah, I could easily say eat a healthy nutrient dense diet. Of course, you know, you know, make your nutrition uh, based around whole foods and quality proteins and, and healthy, you know, fats and good complex carbohydrates that give you fuel and energy. Uh, but what I'm really focused on here <clears throat> is using one meal of the day and building momentum on the rest of the day. Uh, I deal with a lot of clients, um, whether they're personal training clients, whether they're corporate clients, whether they're nutrition clients. And what we, I usually try to do is I like to base um, their nutrition around their lifestyle, right? So sometimes that is somebody eating, you know, four to five meals a day, um, but more often it's someone eating two to three meals a day. And sometimes that includes intermittent fasting, which I, you know, I can get behind from a health and longevity standpoint, but from uh, an overall macro breakdown and habit building, habit forming, or, you know, result driven world, I don't like it. Um, I prefer people just eat a balanced diet and, and not look at restriction of food as a top priority, which intermittent fasting can promote. So when I talk about breakfast and the reason that it's so important, and, and again, there's research that, that obviously you know backs it up, and I, I've written about it in my nutrition ebook, you know how to optimize your your nutrition, and you know gone over these things. But the biggest thing that breakfast does, it is does it builds momentum. Sorry. It gives you the opportunity to get a head start on the day rather than because think about it. Breakfast is the one time of day where the day hasn't really started, right? Especially if you're an early riser, if you're up at 6 a.m. or 530 um, or maybe even 7 a.m. based on your work schedule, if you're working from home, working on the road, whatever it is. At that point, the emails haven't flooded in yet uh, unless you're you know, working at a very specific job. Um, there isn't much urgency going on right away. Usually that happens around 10, 10 a.m., something of that. Once the day, day gets started, because most people, they start their day in, in a very easygoing fashion. So if that's the case for you. It's the case probably for other people as well. So there's really not a lot of urgency or demand first thing in the morning. So you have the most control. There's no 
unpredictabilities going on right now, okay? It's nothing that's going to drag you away from proper eating habits uh, or making healthy choices. So I really say if you have control over those two to three hours in the morning, which again, you can definitely prioritize and you can get up earlier and really make that control happen, take advantage of it. You know, that just makes sense from a practical standpoint. And that's something that I talk to clients about so often is sometimes I, I don't even want to look at the research. I want to look at practicality. You know, I get days can get busy and you talk to clients and they say, oh, I was pulled all over the place today and I couldn't eat and I, I forgot to eat. And I just didn't have time to eat. Okay. But breakfast is the time that you really have control over. There is no, I'm getting pulled here. or I need to do this or I got called to do that. It is an opportunity for you to completely control your surroundings and your circumstances. So it builds momentum and you have the most control over this meal. So I really suggest you build on it, right? So how would you build a nutrient-dense breakfast? And what would that consist of? What would it look like? Well, obviously, we want to make sure protein is a priority. That is the number one thing I want with every meal to be prioritized. That means you eat the protein first. That is the thing that you give the most attention to, right? I want you, if you have a, a plate of, you know, let's just say four fried eggs, you have some roasted potatoes and you have some pea bacon and some sprouted bread and some fruit, I don't want you to eat the potatoes, the bread and the fruit first and then say, well, I'll eat what's left of my eggs after I'm done and see what I can get down. No, I want it to be reversed. I want you to make sure the eggs take the priority because protein's the priority, getting that macronutrient up to where it needs to be, which you know research is quite conclusive on, 0.6 to 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight um, is what your body wants and what your body needs to build lean tissue and to keep uh, you know muscle, prevent muscle breakdown, uh, and all the other benefits that come with eating a high-protein diet. So we really, really want to make sure that we keep protein up to that 0.6 to 1 gram per pound. So if you're eating two to three meals a day and you're a 150-pound individual, well, do the math. Let's just go on three meals a day to keep it really simple. That's 50 grams of protein per each of your meals. Um, if lunch can be kibosh sometimes and then dinner is you know a little bit more where you get control again, we got to make sure that bre- breakfast and dinner are high-priority protein meals, right? So we're looking at somewhere with the three-meal-a-day outline, 50 to 70 grams of protein in those meals. Uh, And again, there might be some people asking right now, well, I heard you can only digest 20 grams of protein or 30 grams of protein per meal. No, obviously this is something that supplement companies came up with um, to make sure you kept picking protein throughout the day and had a lot of scoops. Um, And what what do you think? Do you think that those calories don't count, that you can just take down 200 grams of protein and those calories don't go anywhere, they don't affect your body? Of course you absorb it. Um, people have, you know, eat one meal a day sometimes and they take on 120. It really just depends on your digestive tract and how well it sits with you and kind of what it does to your, to your system. But I typically like to obviously spread it out if, if you can. So we want to make sure that protein is a priority in the morning. Um, like I said, somewhere between that 40 to 70 grams, depending on how many meals you're eating a day. If you're eating five to six meals a day, we'll do the math. You know, if your body weight is 150, divide it by five or four or six meals a day, whatever it is. And you'll kind of get your idea. But breakfast, really make sure that takes the precedent of a good high-quality protein. Good high-quality protein, like I said, it can be eggs. You just can't go wrong. Eat eat eggs every day, right? Eat eggs for sure. Omelet, fried eggs, scrambled, over easy, over hard, a lot of options there, right? Hard-boiled, 
super easy, super simple, super fast, super convenient. So no excuse there. Uh, you can do spreader bread with some nut butter. You can do some pea bacon. You can do some regular bacon. Obviously, you don't want to burn it too much or it loses some of, it loses some of the nutrient value. <clears throat> uh, you can do ham. You can do uh, an egg scramble, which is always uh, a favorite of mine in terms of getting some extra protein in, um, meaning whatever you had for dinner the night before, maybe it's you know ground turkey or ground beef or ground uh, pork, for example. You can throw that into your eggs. <clears throat> and you can scramble it up, and then you have you know an additional fifteen to twenty grams of protein just from the meal of last night. Um, you know, so really good options with that one right there. Keep it really simple. You can add some egg whites into your eggs as well. Um, so that's some easy lower calorie um, options as well. So like sixty, you know, calories of egg whites gives you about fifteen um, grams of protein. So talk about a phenomenal ratio of calories to protein. Um, a really good option there. You know, protein shakes work well and smoothies, but you want to make sure the calories calories in the breakfast are fairly sufficient, right? Want to make sure it, it's upwards of five hundred to to a thousand, right? Um, depending on how many calories you need to do, get within a day. Also, you want to make sure that you don't feel lethargic. You want to be taking in whole foods, like I said, whole grains and clean proteins like eggs, um, and maybe some fruit on the side, and and you know, water for example is always a good option. And like I said, sprouted grain bread with some nut butter or you know, honey or whatever, or some nice organic butter, always an easy route to go. Uh, and remember breakfast, it builds momentum, it creates energy, it builds structure in your routine, it starts you off the day with a nutrient dense <clears throat> meal. So it's not, I'm gonna have coffee for breakfast and I'm not gonna eat again till 11 a.m. if I have time, it's a very dangerous game. Good luck getting in 2,400 calories starting to eat at 12 p.m., right? And then what are you going to do? What happens at night, which we'll get into? Typically, that's where we snack and we overeat the crap food. So we want to kind of avoid that. Uh, and breakfast also shows that it helps improve insulin sensitivity. Um, insulin resistance is a bad thing. You don't want insulin resistance. So you don't want <clears throat> your body to be resistant to insulin, basically meaning that your body has to produce more insulin because it's not... Um, being signaled the proper way, right? It's not responding to the the sugars and the carbohydrates taken in, so it's having to supply. You have to supply your body uh, with more insulin, and that's that's a dangerous, dangerous game um, because again, that's where you start having those highs and lows, and you create chaos within the body, and that's when your blood sugar is all over the place, and that leads to a lot of fat storage. You want to you know improve that, and you want to create insulin sensitivity. So when you have something that would you know boost your insulin levels um that you see that marker go up or down immediately and it goes back down you know organically in a, in a healthy timely manner so that's what you want to do so breakfast has been shown to improve insulin sensitivity um and again even you know i had just read a, a 2020 article here on um you know, PubMed here, uh, and here's what the statement says. We observed that decreased weekly breakfast frequency was associated with a higher risk of insulin resistance in people without diabetes. Additionally, not eating breakfast was significantly associated with the highest probability of insulin resistance. Like we just talked about, we do not want that up, of course. It's one of the most dangerous things a human being can um, create for themselves, right? Insulin resistance. These results are similar to those of earlier studies confirming that not eating breakfast is a risk factor. 
as previous studies have shown that skipping breakfast is linked to obesity and insulin resistance. It is possible that recurrent breakfast skipping over a long period alters metabolism and results in increased storage of fat. Okay, so again, obviously all things we don't want, um, and it just makes sense, right? Um, breakfast, you know, we can build a lot of momentum on. We can eat some good nutrient-dense foods. Um, when do we usually eat the really crappy stuff, you know, the snacks? And, and when do we usually have mindless eating? It's in the evening. So we want to make sure that we eat when we're mo- most mindful, which is a great uh, opportunity in the morning, and eliminate the the need to eat more later to catch up on our calorie requirements because that's when our willpower has gone down um, due to all the decisions we had to make throughout the day. We're most tired, we're most impulsive, um, we're most emotional in the evening because I said a long day drains your decision making and that's when we usually fall to temptation. So breakfast, it's a great easy hack guys, eat it. I don't care what the other research says, the research obviously benefits eating breakfast and promotes it. And at the same time, it's logical, it's practical, and we need to think logical and practical when we're talking about the everyday individual and your lifestyle. It does not make sense to fight you know, practicality and say, I'm going to rely on my increased willpower or the willpower reserves that I have. No, you will fail on that method. You will fail on that model and you will find yourself overeating at night. You'll find yourself under consuming important macronutrients and that is greatly going to affect your body composition. It's greatly going to affect your health and it's greatly going to affect your goals and your energy and your overall well-being. So let's make sure we dive into the day with some healthy nutrient-dense foods before you go to work and you build momentum and from that you'll make healthier decisions you'll think more clearly more create creatively and obviously that should help you do a lot better at work through your interactions your communication and, and promote a lot of good healthy choices throughout the day going off that guys number three stop eating at around 7 p.m so obviously everybody's schedule is different so i don't want to have or say that it's a black and white time, like after 7 p.m. chaos occurs, like you better watch out that 7.15 marker or 7.30 marker is going to you know, bring out the, the crazy man in you or the crazy woman in you. No, what I'm saying is basically most people get home around 5, 5.30, 6, whatever, and they usually sit down and have dinner around 6 p.m. So, But what I'm basically saying is stop eating after the dinner, right? Um, if you have to have dinner at 7 p.m., have dinner at 7 p.m. Like obviously there's a lot of benefits to that too, sitting down with the family. So it's not necessarily that one specific time frame. What I'm saying here is stop eating and digesting food after dinner. Dinner should be your last meal uh, and dinner can be followed up, you know, quickly and, you know, 30 minute period with maybe a healthy dessert like cottage cheese with cinnamon and honey or some dark chocolate or a glass of wine, something of that nature, but don't consume another meal after that, okay? The reason being, uh, a few reasons, obviously. Dinner is a great opportunity to connect with your family. It's a great opportunity to consume a nutrient-dense you know, meal full of balance. So some protein, of course, some some healthy carbohydrates and some healthy fats. So it's a great way to wrap up the day um, and kind of put a good stamp on on the day and build momentum for the next day. Um, 
and from that we're not too far off from going to bed you know typically most people go to bed around 10 or 11 p.m so this allows us to digest the food appropriately right and this helps signal appropriate circadian rhythm right if you think about it when the body is you know done digesting or it is digesting food and it's starting to get in that point where you know the sun's going down and you know sleep is being signaled right because your melatonin production goes up your body's more in a rest and digest state well when that happens your circadian rhythm is like i said from rest and digest is promoting okay let's wrap things up today let's start signaling the body to shut down and we're gonna have a nice deep sleep if we constantly keep feeding the body late into the evening that can one disrupt your digestive tract which will directly cause chaos within the mind um, and the bowel movements and it signals something different from going to bed and resting appropriately right and we do not want to affect sleep sleep is such a high priority proper sleep you know good quantity good quality of sleep is very undervalued and it should be one of the main things that we pay attention to and that we show respect to by having a nice proper routine and giving the body a good chance to unwind um, and be in a really good state from a gut standpoint from a mind standpoint from a physical standpoint we don't want to do things that promote stress or promote the signaling of activation that we have to still do things right so Obviously, eating late into the night can affect your sleep. Now, again, there's always outliers and there's always people that can eat an hour before bed and it doesn't mess up their system. It doesn't mess up their sleep. But I'm saying for the most part, be mindful. Think from an evolutionary standpoint. And I really like thinking from an evolutionary standpoint because this is what's you know most in tune with who we are, right? And, and, and it builds on a lot of the habits we should be living our life by, right? Um, and at night they typically, when, when it went, you know, dark and, and, you know, there's no fire around them anymore, they're not eating food. They're not, they're not looking for grubs or berries or, you know, eating any more of the carcass. They're going to bed and they're, you know, resting their heads and, you know, they're quieting the system down. So duplicate that in today's life. And I know there's a lot more stimulus and stress and availability and abundance, but then that's why we need to kind of put, um, a shut on it and say, okay, well, after 7 p.m., um, or after dinner, I'm going to let the body digest. I'm going to let it rest. I'm going to let it recover and get into a state where circadian rhythm is, you know, optimal. It's running efficiently. It's running the way it should run. And we're, we're telling the body that, okay, we're ready to have, um, have a nice quality sleep here. And, and we all know after 7 p.m., that's when mindless snacking takes place, right? That's when we dig into the thing that we like the most, whether it's salty foods like potato chips or pretzels or nuts of, of some sort, or you're a chocolate lover and you dive into um, the chocolates and the M&Ms and the cakes and the cookies and the cupcakes or whatever else is around the ice cream. That's usually where we just sit in front of a TV and we want to just simply be in a mindless state. We, we don't want to think. We don't want to work. We don't want to do anything other than just sit back and relax. And that's when 
it's very dangerous because we're no longer eating mindfully. And that's one of the biggest things you can do from a nutritional standpoint to make sure you're making healthy choices is eating mindfully. And if you're in a place where you don't want to think about anything and you definitely don't want to be mindful of your choices of what you're eating, well, now we run into a position where we're probably going to overeat and we're probably going to make some really poor decisions and we're going to overeat the stuff we shouldn't be eating at all. Not only are we not just having a little bit, we're probably overindulging. And that's the time where I hear it all the time. That's where I had, I crushed a whole pizza yesterday, Brandon, or, oh man, I took down a whole row of cookies or I ate a whole bowl of M&Ms. And you go, yeah, because you're not mindful anymore. You've lost connection with your goals. You, you know, have decision fatigue and you don't want to, you know, you don't have the willpower to say no. And because you're hungry and you don't want to, you're not going to cook up a chicken breast at 8.30 at night um, or an omelet at night, you're going to make the poor decisions. And that's what I'm saying. I can cook eggs at 8.30 p.m. and eat it, and it's probably a really good thing for me. I have the discipline. I have the understanding. I have the awareness. If you don't have that, you're not going to do that, right? I'm, I'm super particular of what I eat. Uh, the person who has struggles with uh, their relationship with food they're not going to make those healthy decisions that's why this rule isn't set in stone where if you eat afterwards you mess up everything it's the people that have a poor relationship with food and, and their nutrition nutritional habits that they make poor choices and i'm trying to eliminate as much impulsiveness as possible to making poor choices so that's the practicality standpoint i need to think about when i'm talking about these topics what is something the majority of people go to? What do the majority of people have an issue with or have trouble with? And this is one of the things is, is having the discipline to say no to temptation in the evening. But if they set a standard of, well, I'm done after dinner, there is no temptation. There is no more conversation. There's no communication based around should I or shouldn't I? Uh, or, oh, man, should I make some eggs or should I have that um, bowl of candy over there? Well, you're not eating anymore. So it's an easy decision, right? You're like it's, it's simple. You just had your food. And guess what? It gets easier. You might say the first week was hard saying no to food at 830. Well, guess what? Once you do that for a week or two weeks or even a couple days sometimes, it already kicks in. The body adapts it gets into a flow and before you know it you're not hungry anymore right that's why people can eventually eat off of one meal if i don't suggest that i don't recommend it all i have a podcast actually bashing one meal a day but i'm just saying i right now i eat six if i really wanted to eat one meal a day it would take some time it'd feel like i'm deprived myself but over time my body would adapt and i could do it again not promoting it at all i'm actually anti that but you get my point the body adapts to what you give it so especially with an easy one like don't eat after dinner, the body's going to get used to it. The body's going to feel better. And with that, this you know, non-mindless eating is not only good for your health, it promotes quality time with the family, promotes quality time with yourself, it increase pre- um, increases presentness, so your ability to be present in the moment uh, and be more mindful and you know, less impulsive with what you're doing and connect the things that really provide you fulfillment so another thing that has a lot of added benefits to it that you wouldn't initially think it would be connected to so really important really easy one and again i'm telling you right now if you do this i've seen a lot of success stories with clients early on when they use this strategy it's when they you know break the rule and they go crazy 
um, for whatever reason, you know, they're scheduled all over the place. And, oh, Brand, I got home at 8.30 and I had to crush a pizza or whatever excuse people have. If they stick to this, most people have a fairly regular schedule, so it's not very difficult, right? And then, that, and then typically what I suggest, make it a rule in the house. It, you know, if you're the one who's saying, well, I'm not going to eat after dinner, but your husband goes and grabs, you know, the Twinkie at 9 o'clock or 8.30 at night and the kids are eating um, ice cream, yeah, good luck not eating, right? So, so try to make it a rule. Set it. Set it up for the whole family, and why wouldn't you? It's a healthy thing for you. It's a healthy thing for them too, right? Create a standard in the household. Like that's a bullshit excuse. Well, well, we brought got the ice cream out for the kids. Okay, well, don't get the ice cream out for the kids. You know, make that same set rule, and maybe make, make it. Hey, Friday nights we're all gonna go out for ice cream. You know, make it fun. Make it interesting. You know, make it a set standard and ritual within the family that we're not gonna overindulge because. I want to give into temptation, right? You got to create a standard with yourself, but also with the people around you. Because if you think that they're not going to have influence on you and that you're going to be so damn disciplined to not eat, good luck. You're going to fail and you're going to, you're going to lose that battle, right? So don't put it in front of you. Be mindful. Think ahead. Come up with a game plan. Sit down. Talk with the family. Educate from a point of this is healthy for us. This is good for us. We're going to feel better. We're going to have more creativity. We're going to get to do things that are more fulfilling, more engaging, and we're going to feel better. We're going to feel stronger. We're going to feel more alert. We're going to have better sleeps. Like, isn't that stuff that we want? We're going to have less stress in our life. Like, this is all good stuff. This is the conversation you have to have with yourself, but also with your family and get everybody on board. And before they know it, everyone's feeling better everyone's just doing it it's habitual it's routine the only reason they're addicted to it is because you've given it to them for so long and that you've given into this habit right of course that's what they know it's a ritual right so you need to reverse that ritual and that will take some time but just like anything whatever they're provided whatever they're given they're going to adapt to and they're going to see as a consistent part of their life until it's no longer there they're not going to miss it anymore Right. Once you start supplying it with better choices, healthier choices, more fulfilling choices, again, and the body starts feeling better and the mind starts feeling better, it becomes really, really simple and really easy. Okay, guys, inspirational content before bed. Number four here. This is a, a one um, I used to really dive into. I, I got back into it now um, because prior, uh, when I was running um, uh, my direct marketing business and I was in the I just graduated and I was in my direct marketing kind of manager and train program I was all about you know every day was you know, we had to go out and sell we had to motivate our team and we had to you know talk about success and entrepreneurship and and business and immediate gratification versus delayed gratification we had to talk about you know setting the tone and programming the mind and all that you know typical motivational stuff and it helped I was consumed with inspirational, motivational content. I didn't allow anything else. It was probably my, my most disciplined period of life almost because it was a job. I was working six days a week. I was you know, surrounded with this, this business. I was obsessed with being promoted and um, you know, opening my own office. And I, I loved the idea of, of not working for anybody. And the job was right up my alley. I had a ton of autonomy. didn't have a boss. It was me developing leaders and me developing people and me talking about motivation and health and talking about you know success and goal setting and choices, stuff that I love talking about and I live by. So it was a great you know time in my life. And I wasn't you know 
so overconsumed where I wasn't, you know, taking care of my health still. I was still very aware of being balanced and eating properly and I was making smoothies for people at work and people were paying me so I had a little side hustle making like $15 a day um, just making smoothies for people, believe it or not. Um, that's neither here nor there, but that was a time in my life where I was going home, you know, probably getting home, uh, around six, six thirty, and then I'd hit the gym for an hour and then I'd probably get, you know, in home or I'd get into bed around home. I'd watch an episode of Seinfeld if that while eating. And then I was into preparing for the next day and building up, you know, a, a team meeting or, a, an impact meeting or, uh, listening to something that was, you know, building my mind and, it was really good for me at the time and and depending on what you're doing in life it's going to look different hopefully you have a lot of balance and you're able to really have more time to unwind you're not totally consumed with one thing necessarily but listening to something before bed where your mind is truly susceptible to thinking about that content for the next eight hours or so um you know what you think about expands we need to remember that so we're taking in garbage before bed and you know we're watching i don't know some bullshit reality show before bed uh, and we have blue light in our face and you know we're being signaled with with just kind of trash and, and mindlessness um it doesn't promote positive self-improving behavior right um it's going to be really beneficial and to program the mind and this is something i'll talk about in in any conference i go to um i have the privilege of going to or any workshop i do or any um corporate consulting work i do or talking to students is that we need to control what what we consume we need to control the content that we take in that means the conversations that we have the environments that we um, obviously surface but also you know what we think about and what we listen to and what we watch. So before bed, you know, you want to go to bed motivated. You want to go to bed, I'm not saying you go to bed so damn inspired that you're, it's hard to sleep. No, but, but, you know, you can listen to something about mindfulness and connection and, you know, living a more balanced life, you know, stuff like that is is really helpful. And that can almost be like a, a mindfulness practice before bed. Um, I like to listen to things just about, you know, turning your life around and, you know, improving your life and doing things that are going to promote health and well-being and success. And it gets me just thinking about, okay, the person that I want to be. And that's the kind of content I'm suggesting you take in before bed because it's programming the mind. The last thing you hear has a major influence on what you think about during your sleep, regardless if you have dreams about it or not. Uh, But it also promotes phenomenal momentum in the morning, right? If you think about the person you want to be right before bed, and sometimes it's hard to do that when you're not consuming content, right? When you're just having to lie back and think. And typically when that happens, you think a lot about the stress and you think a lot about all the other stuff in life that's, you know, causing you harm or discomfort or pain or, um, you know, sickness, so you want maybe want someone, a coach, a mentor. Like I said, online, there's tons of people. And I like to listen personally to you know Joe Rogan. I like to listen to Jordan Peterson. He's one of my favorites. Um, I listen to Jim Rohn. I listen to Dr. Wayne Dyer recently. Um, listen to a few of his things. So there's a lot of different little snippets out there that will get you thinking in a positive direction and get you thinking – okay, man, tomorrow's going to be a good day. Like tomorrow I'm going to get after tomorrow. I'm going to set the tone tomorrow. 
I'm going to take advantage and get 1% better. And it's, it's cliche, maybe it's corny to some, but it's necessary, right? It's necessary for everybody to hear this stuff. And it's necessary for you to keep thinking that because you think what you take in doesn't affect how you think or feel. You're delusional, crazy. That, that's what TV does. That's what the news does, right? People that are paranoid about what's going on in the world right now why do you think they're paranoid? Do you think they just wake up paranoid? No, they listen to something before bed. They have the conversations with the people. They watch the news and they go to bed fucking terrified. They go to bed in fear. They go to bed thinking about sickness and illness and death. And they wake up with that same bullshit attitude, that same bullshit mentality. And they are consumed with other people. They're consumed with content that is not bettering their lives. And they're in a state of fear. They're in a state of over-analysis and they're in a state of I need to live my life in complete safety and security and they're not focused on doing things that are better for themselves compared to someone that goes to bed and they're not hearing that garbage and they're taking in content that's talking about, you know, like I said, being better, being a healthier version of yourself, being a stronger version of yourself. Being someone who has control of their life and has control of their emotional and mental well-being and that practices mindfulness and, you know, owns their circumstances. Like that's such a different paradigm, right? That That is completely shifted in, in two different worlds. And you're telling me the person that goes to bed thinking about that is not going to be in a better state of mind in the morning than the person thinking about fear and death and illness there's no comparison. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to crush the day. I'm going to get after. I'm going to hit my workout hard. I'm going to do really well with my clients and, and, and build relationships and build my credibility. And I'm going to, I'm going to read and I'm going to write. I'm going to do the things I need to do. I'm going to podcast and provide content and information. And I'm going to you know, consume the things that I need to consume to you know, grow a little bit tomorrow um, and not be in a state of fear right and that is such an advantage in life and that's such an easy hack it's literally listening to something else than you're currently listening to right that's it that's it it's making a decision guess what the algorithm is going to support that and once you start listening to that when i go on my youtube before bed i got my blue light blockers on guys so don't worry i'm not promoting you know blue light screen and and um high def light in my eyes right i'm making sure i'm on dimmer and i pick a video eight ten minute snippet of something they have these little 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 snippet videos all i'm getting suggested is that be better be one percent better be stronger own your life don't stress out you know 10 things you can do to improve your life like i'm just getting those videos suggested to me i'm getting them pushed on me talk about me making easier decisions talk about life being handed to me to become more successful and become a better version of myself compared to the person who has suggestions of this is the latest research on this. This is the death toll. This is the sickness. This is this, this, this. They're being punched in the face with bullshit content that is doing nothing for their overall well-being but hurting it, but negatively impacting the person they want to be. So I cannot promote this or stress this enough, guys. Take an inspirational content before bed. It will do you wonders. Give it a month. Give it 30 days. Give it a few weeks of just hearing the same kind of stuff but from different people and different perspectives and tell me that you don't make better decisions, that you're not doing things that are better in your life, that you're not waking up with a greater sense of control and motivation and inspiration and passion because I will challenge you that the two people – 
that are against one another in life in terms of what they're listening to. There is a no doubt or no brainer of what the one individual is going to get out of it and the positivity that they're going to see compared to the other person and the you know rut that they fall in. Okay. Number five, schedule social use. So going off of basically, you know, talking about taking in content that is improving you and, you know, suggesting betterment and building on inspiration. Social use can be a positive, of course. It allows us to connect with more people. It allows us to uh, consume content as more easily than ever before. It allows us to, you know, learn things at the, you know, drop of a dime, but it also can be abused. And there's a lot of opportunities of comparison and distraction and things that get in the way of what we're actually trying to do, right? And sometimes we don't even notice it. We just go on um, to take a, you know, a little bit of a browse, and before we know it, we're scrolling and mindlessly, and we're not really connecting, and we're not doing any, anything positive, and we leave our social media time feeling worse about ourselves and with no momentum to build off of what we actually want to do. We're not leaving there with a greater sense of, oh, I really want to attack the day. You know, usually it, it creates a little bit more, um, you know, lethargy and it creates um, us being a little bit more in a rut and being down and, 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 and reducing our energy and passion. So we want to be very mindful to schedule social use, Right. Um, have a purpose when you use social media, right? Why are you going on? What's your intent? What are you looking for? Um, typically, I like to you know set rules for myself. Okay, I might do five minutes of mindless scrolling, right? And that might happen in the afternoon, maybe in the evening, right? Whatever. Like, I want to give myself, okay, like I, there is something about it. If it's a really bad thing, you know, where it's really consuming my life, I might just completely, you know, try to eliminate it. Um, but until then, I'm like, you know, five minutes isn't going to hurt. But I put that out there. I, I schedule that in. Like, okay, I'm going to have mindless scrolling for five minutes. But after that, you can put a timer on, whatever. Um, I'm going to get back to, you know, shutting it off. and I'm going to get back to what I need to do, right? And that might be the, the most I would suggest, right, at a time. And it might be like, I'm going to do that at um, 6 p.m. or I'm going to do that at 8 p.m. or whatever, right? Like one time. I might do it in the afternoon too or whatever. Uh, I typically like pr- uh, like to promote not using your screens in the morning, you know, building the day off with uh, – starting the day off, sorry, with momentum and building off of things that are actually, you know, giving you um, a sense of well-being rather than things that are pushing you away from connection with yourself. So um, I really promote, you know, don't jump on your phone right away and start scrolling, you know, set a tone, set momentum – um, if you're one of those people that when you go to the washroom in the morning, you're scrolling on your phone, perhaps you set up some books or magazines in the washroom instead and you don't bring your phone in and instead you consume um, content on financials and you look at how to become better with your money or and that, that might inspire a decision or a choice that day. Or maybe there's a health magazine, you know, men's health or inside fitness or there's a book that you like to read and you do you know two to three pages of that while you're, you know, in the washroom. I know, I know this is what people do, right? So I'm, I'm just dealing with practicality of, of what people like to do in the morning. So just an opportunity um, to switch things up a little bit. Uh, if you go online, like I said, you know, are you going on to post? Are you going on to share a story? Are you going on to engage in a particular realm of content? Are you on there to do business? Are you on there to, you know, 
confirm or solidify a client. You know, have a purpose going on there. Don't just say I'm going to go on to Instagram because it's habitual because what I do in this moment, I just go on and I see what's happening. You know, that's not good enough. That's not a healthy decision. Like that's going to promote mindless scrolling. It's not going to really do you any good. That's where we're abusing social media rather than using it for a purpose and using it for good. So schedule how you're going to use your social media. Now, again, you don't have to do this, but again, we all know, you know, it's not good for us. So I would really recommend it, of course, right? Because again, if you think that it, social media isn't influencing your decisions, influencing your thought process, influencing how you think about yourself, how you feel, you're dead wrong. There is a clear as day, studies back it up, it has a major effect on how you think and feel and move forward. So we need to make sure that we are mindful of that, right? And and that's a good opportunity to after you use it, For the next week, take a second and be like, how do I feel right now? Do I feel better? Do I feel more motivated? Do I feel inspired? Or do I feel less than? Do I feel disengaged? Do I feel less productive? Do I feel, you know, less energy? Do I feel worse about myself? Like have that conversation with yourself and maybe, you know, do a bit of um, an analysis for a week and then you can just see it right from the horse's mouth, right from what you're doing rather than listening to me or listening to the studies that are out there. You know, perhaps you just do a little bit of analysis on yourself and you go, wow, I don't really feel that great. And then maybe you do a week where you don't use social media or you set boundaries and you schedule your social use and then you go, well, how do I feel with this? Do I feel better? Do I feel, you know, more connected to the things that I feel bring light and well-being into my life and then compare the two and I, and I know there's going to be a high degree of you know benef- benefits that come from it you might feel like you're missing out and you know initially I don't know why you why you would it's usually just bullshit on there and maybe a few funny clips but again that's why you set an intention and you use social media um, compared to social media using you and abusing you okay last one here guys to wrap this up structure your day this is something that Jordan Peterson uh, and Jocko Wilnick, the um, ex-military or Navy SEALs leader, talks about. And, and they put a lot of emphasis on, right, structuring your day. And this is an easy hack, right? It's just understanding what your day is going to look like. It's not waking up and then sporadically deciding, well, okay, let's see what fits today. No, you want to go into the day knowing what you need to get done knowing the things that you need to do that are going to promote a win that are going to make the day look like a success and you think this might be obvious but a lot of people wake up they go into their days not knowing what that day is going to bring they know they're going to go to work from nine to five but they have no idea what they're eating they have no idea how what kind of movement they're going to get in they have no idea when they're going to you know take time to relax and unwind the mind they have no idea you know, what they're going to do in terms of their workouts. They have no idea when they're going to go to bed, when they're going to wake up, um, when they're going to have social engagement or what that social engagement is going to look like, when they're going to use their phone. Like It's just sporadic decision-making. It is all over the place, and it is based around impulse. And impulse gets you nowhere. Impulse gets you moving backwards. It gets you looking worse than you looked last year. It gets you feeling worse than you felt last year. It gets you feeling stagnant and redundant and complacent. So 
Structuring your day, it builds momentum. It creates an opportunity to get better tomorrow, right? If we don't structure our day, we don't structure our workouts, we don't structure how that day is going to look to give us the most, get the most out of that day, sorry, you're really leaving a lot to chance and you're playing a very dangerous game. You're playing with fire, right? And we know how this game ends up going. You make decisions that are good for you in the moment right? Because we haven't given it any thought. We haven't given it any attention. We haven't given it any awareness to how this is going to make me feel. We just do things that make you feel good, that get you to the next hour, get you to the next section of your day, that get you to work, that get you home from work, that get you from your couch to your bed. Like we just do things based on, well, okay, this is kind of the flow of, of, of the day. And it's very, you know, unstructured, like I said, very impulsive, um, and that kind of lifestyle, that kind of structure to your day, which is anti-structure, it, it builds off of you know poor decision making. So we want to make sure that we think about our day the night before. You know, take five minutes, take ten minutes, structure that out. Okay, you know what you have to do. What know what your day kind of looks like from you know nine to twelve, and from twelve to four, and then from four to seven, and then from seven to bed. Like, what does it look like? When can we get things in? When can we set time aside for things that are going to promote inspiration, that are going to promote mindfulness, that are going to promote you know movement, that are going to promote healthy eating decisions and help promote a ideal sleep quality and quantity of sleep um, that we're going to be able to connect or whatever that looks like right or time to structure for working on a passion project like when are you going to do that don't just find well here's a 15 minutes right now i'm going to go do something because you're going to you know rationalize and say it's not enough time for that but if you structure it in you're way more likely to follow through and do the thing that you had structured because it's part of your day. And the more often we do this, you'll notice momentum is built. You'll notice that these things become as habitual as you waking up and going to work and coming home and having dinner, right? All those things are going to start flowing as if they are part of your day, right? So take the time, structure. We know discipline equals freedom, right? You will create more freedom with your life, more opportunity with your life if you set a structure, if you're disciplined with your structure, and each day has a purpose, each day has a, an outline, each day has a theme, right? And we can build off that. And before you know it, week after week, month after month, year after year, you're a better, stronger, more capable version of yourself. So really important that we do not undervalue structure and we see structure as an opportunity to give us more of what we actually want. Okay, guys, so that wraps up the episode today. As always, you can find me at BrandonRinka365 on Instagram. You can also find some content online at BrandonRinka365.com. Like always, guys, if this podcast helped you, if it was motivating, inspiring, gave you content to think about, share it, you know, put it out there, you know, get other people listening to it and you know keep the message going and like i mentioned earlier in the episode find the lowest hanging fruit of these six things what is something that you can really adopt tomorrow and start implementing right away and give it time give it practice give it an opportunity to blossom don't just stop doing it after a week or after you know 20 days like let it soak in for two to three months and again 
we have life to live. Like we're not running out of time right now. So give yourself the opportunity to improve your life. You're listening to this podcast for a reason. You're looking for hacks that will dramatically improve your life. Well, guess what? These six hacks will easily, will dramatically improve your life if you stick to them. Operative word is sticking and being consistent with what these offer. All right, guys, have an awesome night, and we will see you on the next episode of the Fear Being Average podcast.